Diamonds for the dead. Few Slater padded ashore around the bend in the river, above the signal from the general Bush's camp. Phil was trying to laugh uh, his desperate strategy, last desperate strategy in hope of getting rid from old Bamber Bush. Unless Phil succeeded, he knew he would have to make his way back to Tatar, resume his humdum job as an airline passenger clerk. Can't tell who we'll find around Bush's trading post tonight, Brownie, Phil murmured to the huge crossbow dog trotting at his side. Brownie's head writhed suddenly. His back nose quivered as he caught the strange scent. Phil's hand dropped into his pistol. He stopped and peered ahead. Through the fading dust, Phil could see a safari camp ahead. Surprise, for he had heard no news of safari heading this remote section of the African jungles. Phil decided be better to circle the new camp and learn directly from the old man Bush why Safari stopped here. He snapped the short leash on the Brennish collar and cut off the river to the river trail through the thickets till there behind Bush lie behind Bush's trading post, his eyes and ears alert. Phil moved cautiously round the rear of the traded bungalow saw that no one was in a clearing, a stretch of the river, and turned to mount the steps. The limpsome bond ran out to meet him. Phil saw her eyes, and that she was afraid of something. Catherine, you look frightened to death. What's the trouble? Catherine Butch took Phil's hand and led him into the bungalow. Afraid of the men in that safari, she told him. He saw her collecting live animals from American tour zoos. I think their business is something crooked. Papa won't listen to me. See if you can warn him. see if you can warn him. Phil shrugged, I can't warn him about something I know nothing about, Catherine. But I see that he has to say about Safari. Old Bishop Joey Bishop was working his roll top desk. In the next room where Phil stepped in. What do you want this time? he grunted. I have found a new diamond bed for floor of the mountains. He mounted Phil told of the old trader. Paul tried pouch from his breeches and spilled a raw gem on the desk. Look at that stone, he said. Breach examined the raw diamond under the magnifying glass. Not bad, he said, but one lucky find doesn't mean made a strike. You want to make some money around here? Go out and make a deal with a safari. I pulled in tonight. We're collecting live animals. Phil knew it was useless to argue with the old man. He strode out towards the veranda. Catherine made a motion to stop him. He brushed past her and went down the steps. Bradley still at Phil's heels when he walked into the safari camp and introduced himself to the head man. What are you paying for live animals? Phil got to the point quickly. The leader, burly red-haired man with a scarred cheek, eyed Phil with suspicion. You've been around here long? he asked. Phil nodded. I've been prospecting for about a year. That's a long time in these parts. Phil said, most white men can't last six months around it here. Okay, the safari leader seemed pleased now. I'll give you a hundred dollars in good American money for every live baboon you can deliver by the daybreak. We're shoving off from here a couple of diesel-powered riverboats that will reach here before sunrise. Phil Slater nodded. 
I snare three or four good happy specimens for you. I'll be back before dawn. Red haired safari trip lips his lips curled in a slow smile. Their field turned to leave. Bill caught pairing, following glimpse of the man's face, and since that smile revealed a man's satisfaction over being having a good wit, him to a phony deal. Phil headed back up the trail, bend to the river, he left his dugout. He wasn't sure what he should do. He offered a hundred dollars, each for live baboon seemed ridiculous. Fierce apes were difficult to snare. They could be brought in for little for little from native hunters. Perhaps that was why there been no natives around British post at this night. Lured by the safari leader's generous bounty, the natives have rustled to the foothills to trap baboons. This left old Jake and his daughter alone for the strange safari camp camped at the edge of the trading post. Phil and Parsons brownies leech and the big dog sprang down the bank into the dugout. The moon shone deep, dimly through dark clouds. Phil could see scarcely thirty feet ahead of the river as he padded silently into the main stream. The dugout was carried along by the current. Phil dropped on his knees and crouched forward, hoping he could not be seen past the bank where the safari is camped. Once past the trading pass, Phil straightened up and began making long, deep strokes of the paddle. In less than a quarter mile downstream, I saw two large power launches hovering beneath thick lead branches which canopied the riverbank. Remember that the safari chief had said the boats were not expected until daylight. Phil became immediately suspicious, padded slightly towards the bank where the overhanging branches could conceal his approach. As soon as Phil heard a murmur of voices, he stopped paddling and left the stuckish current slip the dugout along the bank until the two launches bloomed dead ahead. Phil saw that the occupants were gathered in a stern cockpit by the craft further downstream, but by stepping his dugout along the nearer launch, he could catch every word the three men were saying. Soon as Jarvis flushes the signal, flashes a signal one long and one short we jump ashore and run up the cover via the trader's post Jarvis planned to sell all the native hangers on send all the native hangers on into the forest a wild goose chase wild goose or I should say baboon chase hey the gruff voice explained ain't that the native dug out by long, up along the other boat yeah blast a dirty sneaking savage the trio leaping from the launch to the river bank. He drew his revolver, snapped a long shot, and set the man to the lead, crashing along alongside. Over two turned, firing recklessly the launch before Phil picked off one of them, causing the remaining man to dive for cover. Phil guessed the last man had been in enough trouble, but the bullet cracked a branch over Phil's head, and he brandy leapt ashore to rush back to the trading post. The storm door was closed behind the screen door. The field mounted the steps quietly. Starting voice was from inside, reached his ears, and he hesitated to listen. You got away. We've got ways of making old goats like you talk, the safari leader was snarling. Tell me where you got those sacks of gold diamonds hidden. I'll burn your feet at your charred stumps. Don't tell us you ain't got no got the rocks, a gruff voice boomed. Houseboy told us after he ripped out four of his fingernails. He didn't return to tell you. Could we shot him? Shot him. Phil Slater had heard enough. 
Gun in hand, he kicked the door, storm door in, inward. He saw Jake Bush running toward a chair. Saw a leader, leader welled toward the door. Pistol in hands, Kathleen was tearing herself in a grip of burly, fat-nosed white man who was drawing a hunting knife. Phil's shot made a dark smear on the safari leader's forehead. He pitched forward to his face. The flat-nosed man with a knife knew the odds were against him. He dived for the window. But a stroke and bullet from Phil's gun tore into the base of his skull, killing him instantly. When Phil and Catherine released the white-haired trader, Phil asked about the hidden diamonds. I've been saving them for Catherine, the driver reminded. When she got them as a wedding gift, when she catches some bright young fella like you, Phil. Phil looked at Kathleen, she was smiling sweetly. We'll talk about that tomorrow, Phil. Let's drag the dead man out of here now.